Welcome to Pat Sherlock's podcast series, interviews with top mortgage sales leaders. Learn practical tips for improving sales management results. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Pat Sherlock, and welcome to today's podcast. Today's topic is executing your business plan and sticking with it. Our expert is Nick Paparkas. He is EVP at Stearns Mortgage, which has recently been acquired by Guaranteed Rate. Nick has a long history within mortgage banking. Previously, he was with Bank of America slash Countrywide, and he is currently on the California MBA board. Hi, Nick. Thanks for having me, Pat. Yeah, this will be this will be a lot of fun, and it, it's v- very timely topics given the market conditions that we're seeing. So yeah. I'm, I'm excited about it. Well, we're thrilled to have you. And certainly, let's uh, before we get to the main topic, let's talk about what our listeners would love to hear is how you got into the mortgage business and how did you get into managing? I've got to go back a little ways. So I started with Long Beach Mortgage back in the 90s, well prior to the Washington Mutual of Acquisition. And, you know, at the time it was a crash course in credit, right? Where, you know, this is before credit scores where, you know, in the in the wholesale channel there, you were credit grading loans based upon the uh, uh, the percentage of, of, of good accounts versus bad, right? And it was a very interesting environment for sure, but, um, but it really gave me a good kind of a baseline around credit and credit risk. And, and I was r- very thankful for my time there. I transitioned over to Countrywide and I was with, uh, with the combined Countrywide Bank of America organization for, uh, for almost 13 years. I've only been in uh, the third party space, so in wholesale and in, and in correspondent. As an account executive at, at Countrywide, it was a really hard charging sales culture. I thrived in that environment, I did well, and kind of during during the go-go years of the early 2000s, I kind of joke around that maybe from a management perspective, I wasn't the best. I was just the best one available at kind of the time. So I, I was able to move into um, into a management role there, and I was a sponge. I really learned a lot from some of the uh, some of the executives and the senior leaders there um, and in the industry. You know, I um, over the course of time, I ran um, a division um, within the wholesale unit as we migrated over through to um, a Bank of America. And then at the time, Bank of America made the decision to wind out of, of wholesale through kind of the financial crisis there. Sure. So then I moved over into the correspondent division, which was, you know, really a masterclass in a mortgage banking at the time, Pat. It was a really tough environment. You know, if all of us can kind of, uh, you know, uh, you know, remember back to those days, you know, there were really only five other buyers in the marketplace for a period of time. You know, it was, um, it was really... Bank of America, GMAC, City, Wells, Chase. And I did probably more loss mitigation than really anything. And it was a challenging time. No question about it, Nick. And it's interesting how a lot of the perceptions about the the future years are going to be similar to those. So it's great experience in a lot of ways. So what is your, Nick, what's your biggest challenge that you have in your role now? Yeah, well, it's probably the market of the dynamics, Pat. You know, I mean, it's, um, you know, it's really interesting to see how quickly that our environment changes, right? And, you know, you, you know, if you're in the mortgage business, you kind of have to be more of kind of uh, the Gumby in your uh, the DNA, right? You have to be able to morph and change extremely quickly. And so, you know, the Mortgage Bankers Association um, estimates that, uh, you know, Q1 will be about 70% of the refi. Q4 will be about 25 
And so really making sure that our, our business is positioned for that transition, along with the fact that off of the MBA estimate, you know, it's a frothy market still, you know, it's a $3 trillion market. But if you take a look at their quarterly estimates, you know, um, a trillion of that will already have been executed in Q1. And so, um, and so it'll be an interesting environment for a lot of lenders as they shift to a refi focus to a purchase focus and obviously adjust to what, what, is, what is going to be a smaller of the market size. So what, Nick, has been your biggest surprise so far in 2021? Well, there there have been a couple of them, right? For us in the third party space, it's kind of been the perfect storm where you see a massive sell off in the MBS of the market, you know, kind of starting in February. I'm not sure if anyone thought that it was going to be as steep of a sell off as, as we've experienced. And talking to you here on St. Patrick's Day, it's continuing as <laughs> yeah. we go. The MBA had the 10 year pegged at a 1 6 by Q4. We're already there. You know, so so I think that I think that the fast and furious pace on the MBS sell-off has been a bit of a surprise. I think we all thought interest rates were going to go up, but probably not as quickly as they have. There's an interesting other uh, dynamic in the market within wholesale, which I think will permeate in through the retail channels eventually, which is the quick in and the UWM of the dynamic. And right. so if if you and your listeners have been keeping abreast of the trades, there's there's an interesting battle going on through those top wholesalers in Michigan. And that is leading to an exacerbation of kind of the market, uh, the margin compression that we're seeing. Right. So, yeah, that's a really so good point. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. So, Nick, when you look about, obviously, mortgage banking is all about something new every day. So how do you stay on top of, uh, from a standpoint of learning new things? And, and really, what's the biggest area that you're kind of concentrating for this year to be up to speed on? It's a constant challenge, right? I mean, and I think that that's what keeps a lot of us really young in the business is right. that, you know, you will never know everything, right? Ranging from capital markets to credit risk to to IT to post-closing delivery to personnel management, right? I mean, there's a myriad of things to be an expert on. And so I read a lot. I, I really do carve out time each morning and evening to make sure that I'm I'm really abreast of you know not only the current happenings, but uh, you know the white papers out there on different of the market of the dynamics and you know anything that I can get my hands on to really lead me to more prudent decisions within the business. And then having a network, right? I mean, having a network of folks that I would call the safe place, right? Where I have a challenge, um, I wanna bounce it up against somebody who I trust. And you know, having a half dozen of those folks in kind of the different areas across the enterprise is extremely important. I learn something from everybody. It, it might be what to do, it might be what I shouldn't do. But having those sounding boards, I think is extremely important to just continue being a student of this a business because I don't think any of us will ever know everything about it. Well, that's terrific, Nick. I mean, I certainly agree with you 100%. Actually, it's one of the things that I'm going to roll out a kind of a reading class because I agree there's so much great 
changes within selling, let alone the mortgage business. So I'm glad to hear that you're doing that. And I think it's really smart about the networking for sure. And being active, I think, with the California mortgage bankers, because that also is a great avenue to keep up the speed. So let's kind of dovetail into today's topic, because I think it's so appropriate. Executing your business plan and the big issue, how do you stick with it? So why don't you share your thoughts? I try and keep things extremely simple. I, I don't claim to be the smartest guy in, in, in the business by any stretch. So I need things extremely simple, Pat. The first thing would be to have a plan. I'm actually shocked by, by a lot of folks out there that, that don't have a detailed production, financial, headcount, operational capacity plan. You know, it's extremely important that um, that 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 planning process starts early. It is um, a very robust, comprehensive, detailed plan on what you think you would be doing um, if you had a crystal ball. I think that there are a lot of controllable factors within our industry that that a lot of senior leaders don't necessarily control because they focus on the uncontrollable. What is the tenure doing? What is the MBS doing? What are my competitors doing? Are they rational or are they irrational? I think staying very disciplined on the controllable factors is critical. And then once you have that plan, right? And I think that, you know, I, I, I noted some of the, uh, the Mortgage Bankers Association of the data earlier. I'm not sure that many would argue that, you know, a guy like, you know, the Mike Frattentoni is one of the most astute folks in our business. I think he would even admit that his forecast will be wrong. He just doesn't know where. And with that said, I think that you have to have branches to that plan. You know, I would recommend three high and three low in each of those areas, right? And 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 I think that leaders get sort of kerfuffled at times or stressed out because they're surprised, right? right. And I don't think that in this industry that we should be surprised by any of the happenings, right? If we've been doing this for as long as we have, I think that we've all seen a lot. But with that said, having those branches to, to that plan really eliminate that level of stress as a leader. And it's okay. I thought that this could happen. I hoped it didn't. But, but because it did, this is my action plan and my strategy. What do you consider uh, controllable factors that, why don't you talk a little bit more about that? Because I think that's a great point. I think your operational capacity and your fixed costs, right? Mm -hmm. As far as, as how, how your support structure is, what, um, what, what exactly you're able to drive. And you know, a lot of that is predicated off of the market condition. I think your IT spend and plan, right? As far as if it was a good year, there's a lot of Christmas presents underneath the tree. If it wasn't, there might not be, right? right. And so and so having having a responsible IT plan um, is certainly a controllable factor. And then and then your sales strategy around headcount around sales of the disciplines, most of the time, a lot of your sales cost is is the variable cost, right? Which is which is a good part about this market that necessarily isn't isn't really De delineated by the market size, right? Mm -hmm. If you wanted to flood the market with sales personnel in a more of a kind of the down market, you could certainly do that and not, not add to your fixed cost a ton, as long as you had operational capacity to go ahead and support it. Right. So Nick, when do you do this process? And then how do you do the updating? Because obviously this yeah. is a market that's changed dramatically. That is the the right question, right? Because take some time to do it, right? You know, I think that traditionally you would start this process in the beginning of Q4 
of kind of the previous year. You would be able to land on your plan late November, early December. And then, and I think everybody would agree that December through February was a very different market, right? right. And so, mm -hmm. and so having kind of the reforecast um, along the way each month, I think is, is an exercise that is very prudent certainly something that doesn't require a lot of work, right? Because the market conditions, while they change in the middle of the month, you know, it's really an update to that plan. And, and all of those, all of those, you know, independent variables would actually go into that model. When you're doing your planning, putting it together, is this something where you're taking information from the field or is this like a top down where you're starting off with your view of what you think is going to happen in the next 12 yeah. months? Or yeah, it's a great question. Um, I, I think it starts top down, but I pivot a lot based upon what, what the folks in the trenches are feeling. You know, I think it's important to not make decisions based upon kind of passion or feeling to do a degree, but you have to get color from your associates because frankly, some of the items that you might be, you know, looking to execute on might not be in line with, with culture, with employee sentiment, with how it comes together. And I think all of those factors have to be part of that plan. So garnering feedback from, from the field, from your operational personnel, from your two down and three down, you know, the leaders is critical as you go through it. I think you can construct your plan top down, but you have to adjust um, and get feedback um, along the way, or you're, you are going to miss something. When you do roll that out, because you have had participation, do you find it's just a better acceptance because they've given their view of what they're seeing? It, it kind of talk a little bit about that. 100%, 100%, it is, it is much easier to get the buy-in when, when you do have some of your influencers within your organization who are bought in, right? And so I think that, that a portion of that, of that, you know, uh, the review group has to be some of your top people, some of your influencers, but not really only limited to that. Look and Pat, I think that you know if we put ten people in a room right. and pointed up and said that the sky is blue, some people would argue with that, right? And so I, you know, getting a buy-in um, from a hundred percent of your associates within a large organization can be challenging. Certainly, um, more more art than science around the presentation and the communication of that. Um, and frankly, as a as a leader within the organization. I have to have a logical and robust explanation on the reason that we're doing something. Because if I don't have that, then our plan isn't fully formulated, right? And and I I owe that to all of our associates as we um you know as we kind of talk through through any sort of strategic. So Nick, they're all great thoughts. We only have a few minutes left. If you could summarize maybe a couple of takeaways and also emphasize about sticking with the plan, because that to me seems to be where things, people start with plans, but they never stick with them, so. Yeah, I almost think of it as kind of a tree, you know, and I think that that's kind of the easiest way for me to think about it is that, you know, you know, you have your tree trunk, which is your base plan, and kind of as I had talked about, you know, you have your have your three high side and your three at the low side, right? And so those are your branches. So you've got your six branches of that tree. And as you are going throughout the year, right, you're going to migrate to one of those branches. Mm -hmm. And once you hit one of those branches, there's going to be other ones on that tree, right? Because once once the market moves to a certain way, that trunk really isn't isn't a valid plan anymore, right? It's really the branch. 
and you need to go ahead and do high and low off of where you think that the market conditions are now as well. So again, that you're not surprised. I'd like to shake anybody's hand who knew that 2020 was going to happen. That was, <laughs> that was an interesting one for sure. sure. I'm not sure any of us had um, had a branch on our tree for the COVID impact that that we all experience. I think in a normalized market condition, you can really cover off on a lot of what those other dynamics could be. And I think that that's the important thing as, as, a, as an executive. Well, that, that's terrific. And Nick, I really appreciate you sharing your thoughts. Well, thank you very much, Pat. I appreciate the time. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We appreciate you spending time with us. If your sales team needs training in hiring and lead generation, schedule a free consultation by emailing me at psherlock at qfsconsulting.com.